Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. Part of our mission as a church, and what I want to do today is kind of have like a family talk, is that it would not be a church that's just about mere words, but that we would understand that worship is more than song, it's more than melody, it's more than the tune, that worship is the way that you live out your life. Like when I think about the early church and the power they used to walk in, I have this dialogue that happens in my head, right? I would think to myself, if I would have gone up to Peter or Paul and I would have said, hey, hey, you guys want to go worship? I think they would have looked at me like I was dumb. I think to them, if you would have separated worship from the way that they lived their life and their everyday dialogue of the gospel and how they live, they would have thought, well, I'm living out worship right now. I'm living out worship in persecution. I'm living out worship in good. I'm living out worship in bad. And so sometimes, how many of you know, when you, before you go forward, sometimes you have to reach back. If you want to build a foundation the right way, you have to look at what was God's original intent and his plan for a church. And so we don't want to build... It's just interesting. There were so many ways that people told us we needed to build to build a church. And I look around the vast difference from last year to this year, even in past appreciation, and I think we didn't send out one flyer. We didn't do any promotion. And every time I would be tempted to do everything that man says you have to do to grow the church, God said, you want to do it your way or you want to do it my way? (laughs) And so we get stories of people, like we say, that come, well, how did you get here today? Well, I was driving down the road and God said... Or we heard that you had a service and there was just worship and there was no preaching and we were like, I want to be a part of that. (laughs) Because people are hungry, right? Whether you know it or not, you're not just here to be here. You're not just here because somebody invited you. The presence of God is drawing people. And so we take the approach, if the Bible says, if my name be lifted high, I will draw all men unto me, we got to believe that that is truth. That means that our chief purpose Our principal reason for existing as a church is not just to gather. We do family, and I believe we do it well, but it even goes beyond family. It's that we would come into this place and we would build a throne unto God with what our praises. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we come into this house and we begin to corporately worship, and we sing songs like, It's Your Breath in My Lungs, And you realize that it's more than songs, but you're collaborating because your words have life. What you speak becomes what you see. And so we pick songs that we believe prophesy life because your words, they have power. And so no matter what situation you find yourself in today, whether this is your first time in church, it doesn't really matter because you immediately belong. You immediately, the spirit of adoption, I love that, that you have been given the spirit of adoption because adoption is a choice. You were not just birthed into this family. God chose you. And adoption is a very intentional thing. It's going beyond blood. It's going beyond everything that is natural and says, I love you just because of you. In the midst of your flaws, in the midst of everything that you have, I love you now and you need to understand that. You need to understand that no matter where you find yourself today, that you are loved. It doesn't mean we don't have flaws, and it doesn't mean we don't have to repent. Uh, It means that there is a God who is showing us what repentance looks like. We do not forsake holiness. We believe that as we meet the Holy One, He makes us holy. 
that as we live in relationship with him, and I grab his hand and I walk through this life, he shows me truth. We don't just rely on human principles. We don't just rely on what people tell us holiness should look like. We had a guy up here last week who was preaching. I love it. He wore a polo for you because if it was up to him, he would have wore like a quick silver shirt and some shorts. And he stood up here and he just, he just, it looked like he was bleeding. Like, this is who I am. You know how unusual it is for a person to stand up on a stage and say, when I was seven years old, I was molested by church people. You understand how unusual that is? And to be that vulnerable and that honest in a church setting and to say, this happened to me, but God is still good. This happened to me, and it hurt, and it's okay to be hurt, but look at what God has done. Understand, it's never about, it's never about magnifying the pain. It's about showing you a glimpse of this God that is bigger than we can think, ask, or imagine. That even if we spent the rest of our lives explaining his goodness, we would fall so short because we cannot comprehend. And so we continue and we continue to talk about his goodness because it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. We said, well, you just don't, we talk about this, and I have to keep hammering it down so you understand the culture of our church. We don't talk about the, we don't talk about the power of sin, we talk about the power of the cross. Why? Because it's what it says in the Bible, I, I, I choose to preach nothing except Jesus Christ and the cross. We don't preach the cross because it's the power of sin, we elevate the power of the cross over the power of sin. Understanding that I can enter into relationship with him. Because he did the work. It doesn't mean that I don't have to do work. Understand me. It means we co-labor with him. That we are co-laborers with Christ and we are seated in heavenly places. Listen, I know this can sound weird, but you don't have to understand it to live it. To try to understand the mysteries of God is to demean it. It's to undervalue it. And you have to ask yourself, do you really want to serve a God that you fully understand? Well, I don't understand why God heals some and he doesn't. Me neither. I don't understand why I'm going through this home in my life. Well, the Bible is very clear that we will go through some tough times in persecution. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you have to embrace the good and the hard. How can you worship in the mountain if you've never suffered in the valley? You cannot fully appreciate the beauty of the mountaintop experiences without some valleys. Without understanding that he, he helped you through where, 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 you, where you thought there was no hope left, he gave you hope. And I just heard this morning, man, this scripture, and I want to read it to you. Isaiah 43, 19. I, w- I want you to open to that. It'll be on the screen if you were rebellious and didn't bring your Bible. Just kidding. Isaiah 43. You should bring your Bible, man. You should hug this, love it. Ah. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, say Behold. Behold, I am doing a new thing. How many of you know that's good news? Even now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I love that. Behold, I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing, and you need to be able to perceive, to anticipate, to wait, and know that it is happening. It's not circumstantial. It's not based on how you feel. It's based, it's saying, behold. See that I'm doing a new thing. And what am I doing? I'm making a way in the wilderness and I'm making rivers in the desert. What does that mean? I'm making impossible things possible. I'm making things that look like, how, am I, how is this going to happen? When we came here, how are we going to build this church? And how are we going to do it? And then you realize, if you just abide in him, 
If you remain, if you don't move from this place, the Lord said, I need you to stay in what you've been graced in all week. Stay in what you've been graced in. Whether you know it or not, this church is graced to host the presence of God. It's graced for it. It's so easy. It's so easy to step in, but the moment we step outside of that grace, we begin to try to build our own way. And so that's why we take 45, 50 minutes for worship, because he could do more in a minute than I could do in 45. All it takes is one moment for God to come and crash in and break that hardness off of your heart. Because how many of you know that happens, right? Situations happen. There are people in this congregation that I know are going through some really crappy situations. And in my strength, because I hurt for them, I'm like, God, how can I fix it? <laughs> how can I fix the situation? And the truth is, we can't. It's why the Bible says where the spirit, not where the spirit of Geo is, there is freedom. <laughs> not where the spirit of life church is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So how many of you think it would maybe be a good idea to host his presence well? If we want to be as free as we say we are because you have been made free, the only way to see that is to enter in fully. To enter into the cloud. Uh, The Shekinah glory. Where the presence of God comes, he stays, and he permeates the life of his people. It goes beyond words. It goes beyond song. It's something that is pure. And what we find today in a lot of places that we go, uh, it's why I got sick. It's why it was hard for me to be a missionary. Because we would go places and we would preach the gospel and miracles would happen. Blind eyes, ears, you name it. Limbs growing, all of it happened. But the problem is I would go to this place three months later and the same people were in the same cycle. And it grieved my heart. Because people would enter into the cloud for a moment and then they would depart because it got hard. The people of Israel had the same thing. God told Moses, I want you to go and tell the people to come up. And they said, no, 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 you go. Because to fully host the presence of God and walk in his anointing, it's going to cost you something. I was talking to Steve and I love it. We're having a conversation. He goes, man... I know God, I know God is working in my life, he says, but I know there are things I have to lay down to have everything he has for me. That's real. (laughs) I know that there are things I'm still holding on to, and let's be honest, you you have stuff to. Stop it. (laughs) You're like, oh, Steven, stop it. Stop it. Don't be that guy. We have things that we hold on to, whether it's church hurt, whether it's disappointments, failures, expectations. And those expectations, they lock us in. And sometimes, rather than letting them go and say, I fully embrace the cloud. Understand, I'm not talking about a literal cloud, even though we've seen them. I'm talking about an experience where we come in and we live in his presence. Some of you are like, amen, and some of you are like, I don't get it. And that's a problem. Because we have been taught to prioritize agendas and systems that help us humanize things and work them out rather than rely on him. And so we come into worship, can I just be real? We come into worship and we make pleasing people the object of our worship. And when pleasing people and making them comfortable become the object of our worship, they become what we worship. So we become more comfortable wondering, I wonder if that person's engaged when the reality is it has nothing to do with us. 
my wife was talking, we, we went to sing at this amazing church, The Crossing, and it was awesome. And my wife's like, I was listening to myself, and I realized I'm just not that great of a singer, Gio. I'm like, stop it. She's like, no, 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 no. She's like, I have to rely on the anointing. I'm like, what a good place to be. She's like, I rely on the anointing. I'm like, good. Because don't let it ever be a, pl- a thing where I think I can get up on this stage and preach and it has anything to do with me. Or when we sing songs that it has anything to do with our voices or how we play instruments. God will humble you real quick. But when we make the object of our worship the one we worship, things begin to happen. Here's the truth. We have become really, really good at at accepting things that make us comfortable. So I buy a house. I buy a house. I buy a car. I accept friends. I do all of these things. And they're all based off of what we make decisions based on what gives us the most pleasure. Can we agree on that? Our cars, our churches, everything, you know. And I we used to do, there was a season where we were going to go church shopping and we had like a checklist, right? Walking in this church, they better freaking have everything on my list. <laughs> we did it. I'm not, listen, we did it. We had our check. They, hey, the worship was okay, but the pastor, too much teaching. I'm not, I need some Holy Spirit, right? And this is the culture we live in and it puts pressure, right? But, but the problem, the problem with this is when we pursue what we want, uh, I'm going to try to portray this the right way. When we, when we pursue what gives us the most pleasure, and then we go to God and wonder if he tolerates it, it becomes more about what he will tolerate than what he really desires. I don't want to make decisions in my life and then come to God and say, is this okay? It's why you'll never hear me at this church, hey, we have to put God first. Because to put him first means there's a close second. It means there's some semblance of of, of competition in my life. And what I would want for my life and what I would want for your life is that everything in your life would flow to Jesus. That my marriage, my ministry, my relationships, they would all be an outflow of the center. That the main thing would be the main thing. That there would be no separation. That my marriage, the way I love her, the way I love my friends, the way we lead you is all comes back to my relationship with Jesus. Are you alive? This is the new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing that goes beyond strategies, that goes beyond systems, that goes beyond us trying to rationalize, but that we would come to him and say, I want to know what pleases you. I don't want to bring you an offering and then wonder, are you, can you tolerate this? Is this good enough? I want to know his heart. And from his heart, I know. I, had, I was talking to Boo, man, this week. I just, every time I go to sleep, I just think. And that's why I can't fall asleep, because I just keep going. And I would see myself. I would see myself bringing God, like, these offerings. And it was this, this continual surrender. How many of you know sometimes it's easy to surrender the things that suck? Nobody has a problem surrendering rejection. (laughs) Depression, take it. (laughs) Nobody has a problem with that. But when God starts to ask you for things that you love, for things that you've been waiting for, only way I know how to describe it is what do you do when God asks Abraham for Isaac? 
This is everything I've waited for. This is everything you've promised me. And now you want me to lay it on this altar? And I saw myself giving God things that it's like, I waited for this. He's like, I know, I know. And I gave it to you for a moment, but I need to prune it. <laughs> because, because part of creating a culture of power is creating a culture of decisions. It means we don't control you. It means we trust that God has put power inside of you and nobody's trying. If you're a part of this church, we believe God has empowered you to go and as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven. It means when, when you run across a sick person, you are empowered to lay hands on them. When you run across a demon, you are empowered to cast it out. So if you come to me and you say, this person's demon possessed, I'm going to say, well, why didn't you take care of it? Because there has to be a shift in the mentality that takes place that I carry the same Holy Spirit that you do. And the Holy Spirit is a big, I don't know the right words, good. Because I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus and I was on fire and I would read, I would open up my Bible and God would speak to me. How did that happen? And then I went to school and they told me I couldn't do that. You can't do that because you got, it's not the right context. And God was, he's just looking for a pure heart. <laughs> He's not impressed by your degree. He's not impressed by your qualifications. He's just looking for someone who would have the kind of faith to go, God, this sucks. Speak to me. Do you remember that? You remember when you first were in love? <laughs> what it was like? Like it was so easy to lay things down. I didn't have no problem letting things go when, when I encountered this first love. Now, now, when you talk about religion and you talk about control and you talk about all these things that people try to put on you, people have issues with that. Because people want to tell you how you have to look before you can belong in God's family, but Jesus never preached that. Jesus said, come. It's quiet. He said, come. What he talked about earlier, man, and, and I just had this vision this morning about a woman caught in the act of adultery. And I wondered to myself what it would be like in some churches today, if a woman got dragged through that door half naked, she was probably fully naked. She got dragged and, and put in front, of, in front of a group of religious people and said she deserves to be stoned. Now, what would be our response? Some people would be like, ah, get her out of here. What was Jesus' response, man? He drew a line in the sand. And it wasn't a line between sin and good. It was, it was a line between acceptance and condemnation and guilt. It was a line between religion and grace. Where we say, listen, you got to know Jesus looked at her and he said, go sin no more. It wasn't condoning what she had done, but it was getting on her level and letting her know, no matter where you've been in life, I accept you and I love you. And that's what we need in the church today. That our worship and the way we live our lives would go beyond words where we sing songs about the goodness of God, but that we would display it. That we would realize worship is a lifestyle. The way I love my wife is worship. The way I talked, I was talking to Carl on on. Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know what day. We were having a conversation just about life. And even in the midst of that conversation, the Holy Spirit came and began to move. Am I lying? Things were just flowing. 
just in a Starbucks conversation because God wants to be in every part of our lives. And if we were to just open up our eyes and we were to realize that he's looking, God is not looking for revival. We search for revival. God is not looking for the next miracle. He's not impressed with our movements and our logos. Romans makes it clear. All creation eagerly awaits. This world, the people, the, everything is crying out for something. And it's not revival. It's not more Bible. All creation is, it is a eagerly awaiting for sons and daughters to rise up. That's all it's crying out for. That you would have the realization that you have a daddy that is good and he loves you. And out of that place of love, you can, you can walk in victory. Keep wanting to cry. Stop it. Stop it. This is good news. Because people should be coming to church and understanding that they belong before they believe. That no matter where you come from, creation is waiting for you to have the realization he really is as good as, as they say. We don't put no pressure on no one to repent because the goodness of God will eventually do that. I've never sat in a service where somebody preached, me and my wife were talking about this, we don't agree on everything. And I don't have to. I really don't. Even theologically, we don't agree on everything. She's like, I don't really agree with the way you talk about sin sometimes or the lack thereof. And I'm like, it's just my conviction. I've never heard a sermon on sin that led me to love more. She's not a super sin person. I don't want you to take that. Destiny is But there have been times. Someone took it, I know. Dang it. But there have been times where, where I've come into a room. I need you to hear this. I've come into a room and I've seen someone who loves him. Just the way they talk about him. And, and it's like, I'll give anything for that. You understand that? When people see you burn, when, pe- when people see you truly in love, and they see the way you recklessly give of yourself. I sit with many of you guys throughout the week. And I don't do anything but talk about Jesus because what else? People say, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're, so earth, you're no earthly good. What is that? What is that? If we make Jesus the main thing, and if people see us, continually surrendering. My wife said it, man. When we were in Africa, I laid on the floor and I wept because I said, God, I'll give you everything. And then I started to think about Judah, right? And he's like, what about Judah? And I'm like, oh, take it easy. <laughs> Judah's, my, Judah's my son. He was, he was one. And it's like, you have this deep, this deep thing where you're like, when you say everything, you're like, really everything. <laughs> and then he brings you to Lithia, and you're like, God. <laughs> you didn't have to take it that literal. I'm living with chickens. 
But God, he takes you on this journey. And sometimes we look at worship as a 30-minute segment where we come in, but really what God is looking for is this continual yes, where we would behold. How many of you know, listen, what you behold, you become. If we make the object of our preaching sin, if we continually hammer down, I don't want to be known for what I'm against. People, well, what do you believe? When people say what I believe, I want them to know what I'm for. It doesn't mean we're not against things, right? The Bible is black and white on some things. But love, listen, Jesus gave a mandate. I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else. Jesus gave a mandate, and the mandate was go make disciples. Now, I need you to understand that mandate was not given to a church. That mandate was given to disciples. It was given to a body of people that were following Jesus. If you are following Jesus today, it is the same mandate. Some of us, we're, we're in this place in life that's awkward, and we're like, well, I don't know. Well, what about, what about ministry? What about going out? The first mandate is to love him and then to create people who love him. Now, hear me. You don't get to graduate into creating people who love him if you don't love him the right way. You cannot lead people into what you do not know. Don't care what you say. I don't go to somebody. I'm not going to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. People watch our live streams. <laughs> what God is looking for, if this is your first time today and you have no relationship with Jesus, you need to understand the only thing he's looking for is a yes. That you, that you would be able to posture your heart and this is the heartbeat of this church. It's why next Saturday we're going to come in here at 6 o'clock and we're just going to worship. <laughs> like there will be no preaching. If you want that, come on Sunday. Because the Lord said, I set a table before you, and I will meet you at that table. It goes beyond communion. I understand the semblance. I understand all of it. But there's this invitation that he has given us as a church. We, we believe it's a mandate to host him and to find out what makes his heart glad. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what makes his heart glad. And here's the truth, you do too. I'm sorry that you've gone to churches that have told you you have to dress a certain way. You know, sometimes I get dressed in the mornings and I take clothes off just because of that. I'm like, I can't wear this. <laughs> because I never want our church to be a place where it's, where it's about what people wear, how people come in, what, how, how they talk, what they say. That we would be a church... Jesus said it this way. How will you know them? How, how? He was trying to categorize. How will you know someone who really loves and follows Jesus? They will have fruit. And they will love one another. That was it. Listen, we love when you come to church on Sundays. Every Sunday we want you here. But that wasn't even a qualification. The qualification was, is your life producing fruit? And sometimes you produce fruit, and then that thing you used to do that used to produce fruit doesn't anymore, and you're in this season of pruning. Like, that crap used to work, but now it doesn't. Dang it. 
serious. And things that used to be so easy, now we have to grind. It's not, it's not, con- it's not striving, it's love. Yeah. If you love someone, how many of you know me and my wife have been married eight years, I think, right? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Every time. I was so confident. <sighs> Seven. So close. As I've been married to her, how many of you know she's changed and I've changed? If I try to love my wife today the way I loved her in 2011, it's not the same person. The reason we come into a place and you see some people like Covington leading, (laughs) the way Covington led seven years ago is not the same. He's like, no instruments. We're not playing games. The guests are like, oh my gosh. This guy. <laughs> and it's not, it's not even trying to tell you how to worship. It's showing you that it's the invitation into the cloud. Yeah. Every single week that he would be the object and our chief principal desire. And you see, man, you see people. I, there were some of you here from the very beginning, and I see you. You know, the first week we came here, my wife saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. And it was like, <laughs> it wasn't even that the people didn't want it. Because I know the hearts of the people in here. They were amazing people. It's just sometimes the Lord will lead you into a new season where your expression looks like something <laughs> that people can see. I don't, I don't want to be known. Listen, we say it every week that this movement would be a nameless and a faceless thing. If they're going to say anything about our church at all, if if you're going to say anything about our church, let it be the presence of God is there. I beg you, man, don't, listen, don't ever come here, Gio, he's awesome. It'll be the worst week I ever preach. (laughs) The week they come, it'll be like, what is happening? (laughs) Let it be that, listen, when you come into this house, no one will judge you. (laughs) If they do, you come to me. And we will love them back to life. We love with a radical love. And that our life would bear fruit because the presence of God is here. Worship is a lifestyle. It's the way that we live our lives and that we commune with him. And so here's my prayer for you today. I've been praying this all week, and I, we were listening to, we were at, a, at, a, at a, a gathering on Friday, we ministered at the crossing, like I said, and this guy was on the piano, and he was talking about how God had wrecked his heart, I'm going to land here. He's like, you know, sometimes your head becomes disconnected from your heart, so like you can rationalize things, but your heart doesn't get it. He said, well, what happened to me is my heart was disconnected from my head. He's like, so things were happening in my heart, and I didn't know how to process them. And I became discouraged. This was a worship leader. He said, and this morning, God crashed in on me. As he was leading worship, and he said, and I remembered this song that simply just talks about taking me back. (laughs) 
The song says, just take me back, back to the beginning, when I was young, running through the fields with you. And I think to myself, what a beautiful thing that would be. If people would come into a church, and it wouldn't have to be about being fake, because it's not about that. But that you would understand that through every part of the process, he's walking with you. Behold, <laughs> I'm doing a new thing. Making streams in the desert. I'm making ways in the wilderness. It's what he's doing in your life today. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray over you today. As Covington plays mood music. I want to invite our, our ministry team up. Yeah, Cove. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? Just for a moment, man. And would you would we just would you just fix your eyes on him for a moment? Even if you don't understand, like, I know that sounds very churchy. That means, like, just, just don't focus on anything else but trying to connect with him. He's in the room. It's his promise. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And I know there are at least three. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just ask for first love. And I just speak that over you, first love. And if you haven't ever experienced that love, that you would know that it's available for you today. Man, I just feel, some of you, you feel overwhelmed right now. Like you want to cry. And I just want to say to you, man, that's the presence of the Lord. Where he's calling you back to this place. Where it's not about it's not about religion, it's not about a church, but it's about a real tangible relationship with him. I'm just going to let